of life they're beating against us oftentimes we don't know if we're going to make it we don't know what tomorrow will be but even in the uncertainty of our lives we can come to you who are you're definitely certain you're the same yesterday today and forever Lord may we be a people that bring all of our concerns to you uh, your word says in the writings of Peter that we can cast all of our cares on you for you care for us. Lord, as your word is, the, uh, is, is, is about to be open, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us, speak to our heart, encourage us, convict us, rebuke us from your word when we have strayed. Strengthen us, Holy Spirit, and I do ask this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, I would love, love to say good evening to each of you. Let me try that again. I would like to say good evening to each of you. Y'all need to talk to a brother. Glad to be worshiping here with you today. If you have your copy of God's word, digitally or physically, meet me in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. And while you're turning there, one announcement to make. On November the 6th, November the 6th, the women are going to have an event. I'm excited for that. Come on, Ellen. I mean, all the ladies that are going. All right. I hear one whoop. But it's going to be from 9-11. Uh, the, 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 the place to be determined. But be looking out through email and for other communication on the place where that will be. But November the 6th, from 9 to 11, ladies, you're invited. I want, you, I want to say that. I want you to hear me say, you're invited. This will be a place where you guys can be together, be strengthened with one another, love one another, and honor the Lord. So November the 6th, 9 to 11, place to be determined. Now let's turn our attention to the word of God. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. <clears throat> you know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Oprah Winfrey. In 2015, she created a series called Belief. And if you followed her, you know that she believes that 
No one religion on this planet has a direct uh, beeline to God, that all religions are valid. As a matter of fact, early on in a talk show, um, if you go back, I think it's to in the 80s, there was a big debate that took place because she said, in essence, that Jesus can't be the only way. That every religion on this, if people never hear about Jesus, how can they be hindered from getting to the Father? So she creates this series believing that of all the 7 billion people on the planet searching for connection, redemption, and meaning. It, it can't be possible that with all of these people on the planet that Jesus is the only way. That there are sincere people that if they just do good, love neighbor, uh, uh, pray to whoever they think God is, then they are accepted as well and they would be in heaven. The problem with this is that the scriptures don't tell us that. The scriptures do not say that any way is valid to get to the Father. Jesus says in our text this morning, he says, I am the way. He does not say, I am a way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This claim is exclusive. Jesus does not give us alternatives. He does not give us options. But we live in a time where we love alternatives and options. Am I right? You go to the grocery store. You don't go to the cereal aisle and there's only one cereal brand. No. There are hundreds of options. A smorgasbord and you choose. Right? Uh, if, if you're buying a house, every house does not look the same. Like we can go and make choices and we got options. Now, if you know me and my wife can attest to this, I don't like a bunch of options. If you give me too many options, I am overwhelmed. Give me about three. I'm good. Don't give me 10, 20, and 30 options. Some of you may thrive on having hundreds of options. That's not me. There's nothing wrong with options when you want to choose a house when you want to choose a school, when you want to go to the grocery store. There's nothing wrong with options, but when it comes to faith in God, there is only one option. If you, we, we had a test, you don't have an A, B, C, and D. You have A, 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 and all of them have Jesus Christ. That's it. Isaiah 44, verses 6 to 8 says, This is what the Lord the king of Israel and its redeemer, the Lord of armies, says, I am the first and I am the last. There is no God but me. Who like me can announce the future? Let him say so and make a case before me since I have established an ancient people. Let these gods declare the coming things and what will take place. Don't be startled or afraid. Have I not told you and declared it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God but me? There is no other rock. I don't know any. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we have been in this series looking at seven Jesus's I am statement. And today we're looking at the sixth of his I am statements. Again, Jesus says here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, when he says, I am, he is claiming to be God. 
he is claiming to be God. It goes back to what God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. God goes to Moses and he says, go get my people. Moses says, cool. Well, he doesn't say cool. But he says, okay, who should I tell them sent me? God says, tell them I am who I am. See, we're looking at Jesus' I am statements because in his statements, we, in these statements, we learn more of who he is. Salvation only comes through Jesus. There is no other alternative. We don't have an option when it comes to salvation. We can't choose the way we want to live and think that God would accept our way of thinking apart from the, our way of living apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing we could do on our own to inherit eternal life. Have you tried to earn your way? Have you tried to do something that says, I know God is going to accept me because of this? There's nothing you and I can do to inherit eternal life. Nothing. Therefore, our main point or our central thought for the text today is this. And it's very simple. There is only one way to the Father. And it's through Jesus. There is only one way to the Father. And it's through Jesus. Again, we have many religions in the world. And if you, and I know some of you in here have traveled the planet, you've seen other countries and you know this is true. There are so many religions in our world and these religions, they express what it means to be accepted by God. Now, I'm not going to do an exhaustive study of all of the religions, but I can tell you this. If you study any of them, apart from Christianity, they have one thing at their core. It's a works-based religion. You work to earn favor with God. But Christianity is different. Christianity is not what must you and I do. Christianity is what God did on our behalf. Hear the words of 2 Corinthians 5.21. Notice these first two words. It says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made him. Or listen to the words from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. The reason I love this verse, especially for someone who wants to work to get what he earns, this scripture says you have been saved by grace. Grace is unearned favor. You have been saved by grace through faith. This is something that God has given to us. All throughout scripture, we learn that salvation is a gift and it comes through Jesus Christ. So I want us to walk through these verses. And as we do, here is where we're going. I got three points for us. First, I want us to see that faith in Jesus is having faith in God. Faith in Jesus is having faith in God. Next, I want us to notice that Jesus prepares eternal salvation for his people. Jesus prepares eternal salvation for his people. And finally, we're going to end at looking at Jesus is the way to the Father's presence. The central theme here, Jesus. 
So let's look at our first point, that faith in Jesus is having faith in God. Verse 1, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. <clears throat> Again, I, I mentioned this, and one of the things we have to understand that the Bible in its original, when it was originally written, didn't have chapter and verses. So this is a continuous conversation. This goes back to chapter 13 and Jesus having a conversation with the disciples. And what he is doing in this chapter Chapter 13 is letting the disciples know that he's about to depart. Jesus is just moments away from the cross. He is telling these disciples, I'm about to go. If I was in my old neighborhood, I'm about to dip. We're about to go. He, he also gave them a new command. He said in chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Mm, I love this because I tend to see more hate than I do love. Jesus says, people are going to know that you belong to me, not by you parsing out or pointing out everything someone did wrong that you don't like that doesn't fit within your paradigm. They're going to know that we are his disciples by how we love one another. People who are not even in our ethnic group. Can we love people who are not like us? Jesus also told the disciples that, like, look, you can't go with me on this leg of the journey. Where I'm going, you, you can't go right now. Imagine being with someone for three years, every day, all day. And you're, you're kicking it with them, you, you're crying with them, you're laughing with them, you're talking with them, you, you're seeing everything. And then the person that you have been following says, you know what, now we're about to split. How would you feel? How would you feel? This is what the disciples felt. Because they just wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to continue to be with him because Luke 640 says a pupil is not above his teacher, but when he is fully trained, he would be like his teacher. They wanted to spend all the time that they could with Jesus because they want to be like him. But now Jesus says, I'm about to go. He was leaving them and they couldn't follow, but they would follow later. At the beginning of verse one, Jesus said to all of the disciples, not just to Peter, he said to all of the disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. You see, when Jesus told them that he was about to leave and depart, this disturbed them. This bothered them to their core. That's why Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. But Jesus, in what he's about to give them, he is giving them a word of encouragement in their distress. We're like the disciples, y'all, I believe. Because when we look at the signs of the times, I don't know about you, but I get disturbed. Do you? When I see the things that's happening, I get disturbed. And it don't even have to be on a national scale. Like my heart broke over the five young men who lost their lives a little over a week ago on Capitol. And I'm seeing, because I'm seeing death, I'm like, and these are young men, I mean teenagers, like, God, they, they had their whole lives in front of them. And then we see something big like the insurrection or, 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 or we look at hurricanes that pummel the Gulf Coast and it goes all the way up the East Coast and a bunch of bodies are left in its wake. 
We see places having earthquakes and, and years ago there was a tsunami. Like we see these things and we like, we get disturbed by that. But not just what's happening on the outside of us, but we also get disturbed when we look at our own sins and failures. I look in me and I see me and it bothers me. We all struggle with our thinking, our feelings and our decisions. We all do. But the word and work of Jesus is the perfect remedy to all of this. The word and work of Jesus is the remedy. Like the disciples, you and I don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. Jesus then tells the disciples, he says, believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus and the Father are linked as the supreme object of faith. This means that you and I are called to believe the very words of Jesus because they are the words of God. We ought to believe that Jesus and his word, uh, we ought to believe Jesus and his word because he is sent by God and he speaks the very words of God. Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. He is the standard. He is the standard. If you go to England, People in England, are, they, they may be prim and proper, right? You may go to London and you may see a, see a man in a three-piece suit. Do people still wear three-piece suits? Three-piece suit with something that looks like a stopwatch with a chain on it, and it's their clock. And you may see someone walking down, maybe a man walking down, and he pulls out this stopwatch or this clock, and he's looking at his clock, but then he looks up. He looks up and then he may look back at his watch and adjust his watch. What is he doing? He is looking at Big Ben and adjusting his watch according to Big Ben, the big clock there in London. Because ben, Big Ben is the standard for the time of day. My friend, God wants us to adjust every aspect of our lives to his standard, his ministry, his program, his thinking. We adjust our lives to Jesus, nothing else. Now, it's a problem when you and I look horizontally at one another and we begin to adjust our lives and compare our lives to the person sitting next to us. I'm not going to talk about you, I'm going to talk about me. As a pastor church planner, I see other guys that have planted churches and I look at them and I compare where they were or where they are now and where I am. I'm using them as the standard and that's a faulty standard. Not that their ministries are bad, but it's not them doing the work. God didn't call me to have something big or be successful like such and such. He just called me to be faithful where I'm at. But he's, he's called you to do the same thing. It's easy for us to look horizontally and look at what she or he has or what they are doing and think I'm supposed to have that when our lives should be rigged according to the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the standard that God set for us. When we're not looking at Jesus, we are not looking at the right standard. Jesus said, believe in God. Believe also in me. Secondly, Jesus prepares eternal salvation for his people. 
In verses 2 and 3, it says, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, um, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. In Scripture, God promised to dwell among his covenant people. He promised this. God says in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 26 to 28, he says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be a permanent covenant with them. I will establish and multiply them. I will set my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. When my sanctuary is among them forever, the nations will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel. So when we look at the text, what does it mean that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us and that there are many rooms? Now, maybe you're like me when you were younger. When I was younger, I was at a church that only used the King James Version. And in this version of the Bible, it said many mansions. What did you think when you read that? I'm going to tell you what I thought. When I go to heaven, I'm going to have a mansion like MTV Cribs. That's what I thought. Don't put me out there. I know some of y'all thought the same thing. That we're going to have a mansion like MTV Cribs. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. This is not. Jesus is not talking about something physical that you and I are going to have, some place to stay. He is also not pointing his people to a future eschatology. Eschatology just speaks of end time. He's not talking about what's going to happen in the future. He gave these words and applied them to realized eschatology. What's happening right now in our relationship with Jesus? The emphasis is on present dwelling. Present dwelling. His going, based on what the, he told the disciples in, in John chapter 13, is to death. He is going to die. The word for I am going is the Greek word peruamai, and this is, is pointing to the fact that he is going to die. He was going to the Father by death, and the preparation that was the preparation then was completed on the cross. Jesus' return to the Father is how the place is prepared. His return to the Father. And he made it plain where he was going. Verses 6 and 7 says, Jesus says, I am going to the Father. He's going back to his father. He also says that the disciples will end up in the same place by coming through Jesus. They're going to end up with him. After his glorification is complete, he will come to them. Just notice the text. Manifest himself to them and impart the spirit so that they may continue in his presence. In Acts chapter 2, what happened? They received the spirit. When the spirit lives in us, he is always with us. This is, we talk about present dwelling, not something in the future, even though there is a future aspect. This is the only coming and dwelling place that this chapter as a whole speaks of. If you're in Christ, you and I have eternal salvation because of Jesus. We have eternal, that's forever. We have eternal salvation because of Jesus. On one side, salvation is fully present, like we are saved now. On the other side, salvation is fully future because Jesus, who is the content of salvation, is present now as the object of faith. 
and future as the object of hope. In Christ, my friends, we have been saved, past tense. We have been saved. We are being saved right now, Romans 8.29. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the, uh, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We are being saved right now and we will be saved. Past, present, and future. Jesus went to the cross and the grave to prepare salvation for you and I. He then rose from the grave so that he might prepare eternal life for us. He says, so that where I am, you may be also. For us to be prepared for that prepared place, right now we must grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, Jesus is the way to the Father's presence. Verses 6 and 7. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. When Jesus told the, when, when he told the disciples that they knew where he was going, he alludes to the previous announcements of his death. He did not hide this from them. He was going to die. This was his mission. If you read John chapter 17, you would see that Jesus acknowledged that he completed the mission that the Father gave him to do. He completed it. He obeyed it perfectly. And now he was going to the Father. How does he go to the Father? He goes to the Father by virtue of his identity and character. So what does it mean that Jesus is the way? What does this mean? This, this means that he is the way leading to the Father's presence. He is the way leading to the Father's presence. The disciples will go to the Father by means of Jesus and their participation with him. And it's the same for you and I. The way is not merely ethical. It's not merely a bunch of do's and don'ts. The way is Christological. It is centered on Jesus. Jesus doesn't merely show us the way or show us how we ought to live like a signpost uh, to go here, go that way. No, 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 no. Jesus is the very conduit. He's the channel. He's the way by which we get to the Father. Similarly to the way that he is the door to the sheep pen. He's the only adequate way to, the, to God. Truth and life merely clarify the way. God's ways are truth and life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 states, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days a full life and well-being. As God revealed his glory to Moses in Exodus chapters 33 and 34, where we see that God is full of grace and truth, he revealed his glory to in Jesus to the disciples. And Jesus' mission was to announce a more glorious covenant than the one Moses announced. What, what, what John shows us is that God's character is revealed in Jesus. He is the way. To know what God is like, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. 
He is the way to the Father because he reveals the Father's very character. He is both the way to the Father and the Father's exact representation. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. To reject the Father's image, the Son is to reject the Father. To accept the Son is to accept the Father. There was a wealthy man who had a son and they were collectors of great art. And they had this exquisite art. They had everything from Rembrandt to Picasso. And they would often talk about the art that they had, look at the art and, and, and just be in awe of the, the, the great artists. But then uh, the, great, the war of Vietnam happened and his son went off to war. And while, while he was at war, he was killed while helping rescue another soldier. His dad, when he heard about it, he grieved the loss of his son. Some months passed and it was around Christmas. And around this time, he heard a knock on the door and there was a, a, a gentleman at the door with a package. And he said to the father, sir, you don't know me, but I'm the soldier for whom your son gave his life. He was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart and killed him. He said he often talked about his love and your love for art. So he hands him a package and he says, I, I, I did a, a portrait of your son. He said, I know it's not good because I, I'm not an artist, but I thought that you and your son, your, your, that your son would want you to have it. And so the father opened the package. He pulled out this portrait. He examined the portrait. He looked at how the soldier captured his son in battle. He also looked at how he captured his son's eyes. And when he looked at his son's eyes in the portrait, he began to cry. And then he looks at the soldier and he says, I want to pay you for this. The soldier said, oh, no, sir, I could never repay what your son did for me. It is a gift. And so the father hung this painting up over the mantle. And so when, when people would come to the house uh, and they wanted to see all of the Rembrandts and the Picassos, he would turn them away and say, no, that's my son. Look at him. He's the one I want you to see. After some time, the father dies. And then his whole collection was to be auctioned. Art collectors from all over the place wanted to be a part of this auction because they wanted to get some of these grand pieces, these great Picassos, these Rembrandts. When the auction happened, the painting of the sun sat on the platform to be auctioned first. And so the auctioneer pounded his gavel and said, who will start the bidding for the sun? Everyone was quiet because we don't want the painting of the sun. We want the, the Rembrandts and the Picassos and a voice came from the back and says, we want to see the Van Goghs and the Rembrandts. Skip this one. But the auctioneer said, who will start the bidding? Will someone bid $100 for the photo of the sun? Finally, a voice in the back says, I'll give you $10 for the painting. The man who said, I'll give you $10 was the gardener of the man and the sun. 
And so the auctioneer said, okay, we got a bid for $10. Who will give us 20? There was silence. And then somebody said, man, just give him the painting for 10. Let's get rid of this photo. We got to get to the Rembrandts. We got to get to the Van Goghs. We don't care about the, the painting of the sun. And so the auctioneer pounded his gavel and said, sold for $10. Then a man shouted, now it's time for us to get to the real auction. But the auctioneer laid down his gavel. He laid down his gavel and someone said, what about the paintings? But the auctioneer said, I'm sorry, when I was told to conduct this auction, it was a secret stipulation. I couldn't reveal it until this time. Only the painting of the sun was to be auctioned. Whoever bought the painting would inherit the entire estate, including the art collection. The one who took the sun gets everything. Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Many of us are like the other people at the auction. We want the things of this world, the Van Goghs, the Rembrandts. We want bigger houses and bigger cars. We want status. We want the six-figure, seven-figure job. But when you get Jesus, you get it all. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through him. If you're here today or if you're watching and you don't know Jesus, will you trust him today? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life because the ways of this world lead to nowhere. As a matter of fact, they lead to destruction. We try to make our own way. But every time we try to make our own way, we fail. Jesus, you came and you obeyed the Father to the fullest. To the point of death. As Philippians says, even death on the cross. Lord, in these uncertain times, in these times that in our minds seem to be get worse and worse. Remind us that Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the way for us to be made right with you, Lord God. And that because we have Jesus, for those who have trusted him, we have everything. So Lord God, may we go from here today living lives in worship of you, living for you, honoring you in all that we do. Help us to obey what your word says, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.